Is that what Lubu named his his child? Tubu. Tubu. <laughs> Tubu too furious was really the, the <laughs> hardest warrior in all of Dynasty Warriors. <laughs> Welcome to Video Game Podtimism, the Optimist video game variety show where two best friends talk about the wonderful world of gaming. My name is Chase. My name is David. Got an interesting episode, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was just telling you that I only have one game, which I think in the history of the show <laughs> has not happened. <laughs> Chase is really slacking on his video game playing this week. The the thing is that usually I will take notes about the things that I like have played and and talk about. I'd say usually the the Google Doc is not more than like a, a couple of pages, right? Mm. Just some general thoughts of like Here's something to remember or something that I want to bring up. I have five pages about this single game, David. Oh, my God. It's a juicy caboose. Have you played this game before? I have. Mm. It's just like it's such a big thing that I had to like kind of dig a little bit, which we'll get to eventually. That thing is thinging. It's it do be thinging. That's absolutely true. <laughs> yeah, man. Video games. <laughs> uh, I forgot how to do the intro. <laughs> Yeah, video games, man. They're great. Love them. <laughs> Last week, we tried once and also for the final time to see if ChatGBT could write a shitty review of a game. Uh-huh. And the fact that it like kind of sounded like our podcast really has gotten <laughs> my head. It's really making me try to think like, maybe I should use like a different cadence or a different word or something. But I don't know. Here we are. I don't know. Here we are. It's just, you know, we're, we're just here talking about games. And I'm like, what? And Chase is like, huh? That's what it sounded and like. And we're both like, gua? Ay, ay, ay. Have you been playing video games, David? Uh, I have been. I have been, Chase. I want to hear about them. So, still playing Zelda. Still running around Hyrule, trying to just get stronger. That's really okay. that's really my main goal right now. Is I'm scared. Yeah. I'm scared of the, of the deep depths of Hyrule sure. Castle. Yeah. I don't know when there's going to be another Lionel just lurking behind something to, to attack me and gloom me up like gloom lionel is fucked up dude that's really pretty tough yeah that's really not great so i'm i'm still i'm still on the road to upgrade my armor Mm -hmm. (laughs) and just get more get more stamina get more hearts really more hearts is really what i need and i just need to cook a lot of gloom food have you found the troop that will uh show you to the fairies if i said no would you be upset (laughs) david it's been two weeks of you looking for this fucking troop just look it up on the internet I refuse. You don't have to prove this to anybody. You can just this, look at this it. This is my toxic gamer moment. I refuse yeah. to ask for any help. You can do it, David, please. I probably will just look it up at this point. You should. You definitely should. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really should. I don't really have anything else to really say about Legend of Zelda at this point that I haven't said over and over again. So I'm just going to move sure. on to the new thing that I've been playing. Okay. Yeah. Talk to me. Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga, the one for the Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Advanced, yeah. Wow. Okay, talk to me. Uh, had you played this before? I had never played this before. Oh wow! I was always interested in playing this game in particular, and it's on the the Switch Virtual Console. It is, yeah. So I was just, I was kind of tired last night, but I wanted to game a little bit. I just figured mm-hmm. I need something that's just not super engaging. That's going to keep me up or like yeah. super uh, and not 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 that this game is engaging. I guess that's the wrong word. Something that is very uh, demanding. Yeah. Like a Zelda. I, I sure. just could, yeah, I yeah. can't I can't before I go to bed. Otherwise, I'm just in it until like <laughs> two in the morning. 
So I was just looking through all the virtual console games. I was like, oh, I've never played this game. I always have been interested in trying it and decided to give it a whirl. And it's really fun. It's really fun. It's really quite fun. I've never played a Mario RPG before. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. I've never played any of them. And this is definitely in that vein, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I really, really enjoyed like the hour or so I played last night before bed. Very different experience, but still nice, vibrant colors. Very, very much feels like it's set inside the Mario world and realm. Mm -hmm. Fun characters. I really love the characterization of Luigi as just a big coward in this game. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, It's really good. (laughs) He just, he was not trying to come along on the adventure at all, (laughs) but just got confused as one of Bowser's baddies and essentially got abducted uh, against his will onto this (laughs) airship and taken to Bean Bean Kingdom, which is a great, a great name. The beans are nice. They did it twice. Bean Bean (laughs) Kingdom. So (laughs) I also enjoyed the fact that the game starts off with a very nefarious looking bean and then Mm -hmm. uh, princess peach just gets gassed in the face yes like the game starts off with the bad guy winning which doesn't usually Mm -hmm. happen too much in a in a mario game actually i guess it happens pretty much every time in a mario game (laughs) then then you're just trying to right the wrongs mario is not proactive against threats to the mushroom kingdom he's very reactionary yeah he doesn't have a lot of preventative peach saving mm. measures triple p he's he's always treating the symptoms of peach getting kidnapped not mm. the causes you know you're right mario really needs to start cracking down on some surveillance he needs to start wiretapping <laughs> the mushroom kingdom i think yeah has, has he considered starting like the military industrial complex in the mushroom kingdom <laughs> somewhere somewhere in the world hideo kojima just felt a shiver run down his spine <laughs> i have a good idea for a video game <laughs> stay with me mario but the military industrial complex but it's the surveillance state <laughs> i mean i would play that game mm-hmm. mario and rabbits 3 surveillance state they could do it man they gave mario a gun in that last game special character solid snake <laughs> god don't tempt me <laughs> Solid rapid. I'm in. Like, it, Hideo could make it work, man. I know he could. Hey, he's a he's a free agent right now. He could do what he wants. He owns his own studio. Yeah, he could do it. He could steal a Mario and just use his likeliness. Oh, he he steals Mario and puts him in his new game, <laughs> Death Stranding Two, featuring Mario. I stole him. You have to come get him. This is the next evolution of a strand type game. He's connecting gigantic corporations to each other rather than just people. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nintendo and Sony, you're now one. Um, but really enjoying this game. Yeah. I like the combat so far. Not even combat, but just the, the battles, I should say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't usually love those kind of action commands, they call them, in in, mm. in RPGs where you have to hit a button at the right time. Um, yeah. Actually, I'd say they're hit and miss for me. Either I really enjoy them or I find that they're just not quite to the cadence that I want or yeah. the rhythm that I want and I always fuck it up. Uh, sure. But this game feels like a pretty good consistent timing which which i appreciate yeah. at least so far yeah yeah it's 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 a lot of fun and i just love game boy advance games i think there's something very that... nostalgic about that system in particular for me yeah. that just gets me going in a good way i i think that the, the like the visuals of those that era really hold up as well yeah like the it, the just the art of it all looks really good even if it's mm-hmm. like blown up to a larger screen it's still really vibrant and looks really great so mm-hmm. even if it's like quote-unquote pixelated i think it still looks good like those uh those Fire Emblem games that just dropped kind of recently mm-hmm. are, are the same deal where it's like, yeah, it's it. you can see the pixels in it, but I think it amounts to something greater than that. It, it still just looks very distinct yeah. and uh, 
polished. Yeah, it feels very much like a a Super Nintendo, but just yeah, with yeah. better better color and a little mm-hmm. bit better just smoothness, like processing of of the graphics. Yeah. So I I think that's that's the vibe of the GBA, and I just love it. Great system. Yeah. And I love that it it does. It's it's just gives you just enough buttons to make it entertaining mm-hmm. uh, without being overwhelming for these handheld games and just small games in general, right? Just two shoulder buttons, A and B, and the the D pad, and that's it. And you can do a lot with just that yeah (laughs) uh if you just get creative with it so it's it's really it's really cool to to go back and play those game boy advance games i just love the game boy advance great system i I think nintendo specifically does such a good job when they have constraints like that too Mm -hmm. like the the when when they're challenged to like what does a mario rpg look like when you are on a small screen and you have so few buttons and everything like that because they the super mario rpg came out um before this and so did i think uh paper mario as well so yeah it's like they they've had experience up to this point making RPGs in the Mario universe, but how does it change when you only have so many buttons and so many pixels? And they still did a great job. I like I I really liked this game. I played this when it came out, and then played a little bit of it more recently too. And like it's it's so good. It's also very funny. I was not expecting it to be as like actually yeah. hilarious as it is mm-hmm. there's like genuine jokes where i'm like that's that's pretty good the yeah. the section like the whole luigi thing is hilarious the the section where you go in and have to like take your picture for the menu <laughs> yeah and my man's like listen don't make a funny face and then explains to you how to make a funny face for a while is amazing mm-hmm. yeah that part that part's pretty good or like how to not move don't move yes and this is how you <laughs> yeah. move yeah it's great yeah, a couple of other things going on the humor. I like yeah. what they did with Bowser. Yep, where they make him kind of, kind of a, a of a not a good guy, but an on your team guy. Yeah. in this one, uh, and how he just gets knocked out in the first introductory boss battle on the airship, and he just <laughs> yes. like crawls over and just tells you how to do things, crawls away. Yeah, he's the tutorial back, guy there. Crawls away. <laughs> I also in the very beginning of the game. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a very fun, unique game. I'm I'm excited to have my first Mario RPG experience with it. Honestly, I think this is a pretty good one to start with too. That's what I was thinking. It's a little bit more bite sized. Yeah, it's it's bite sized and like I I would hesitate to even call it like simplified because I think mm. it is still doing a lot. I think it is just like so strong streamlined for this console that I, I think they do a really good job of like introducing you to every concept in a way that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, I think the, the action commands are like, you can read the enemy pretty well in this one. Yeah. They generally will give you some kind of indication. Like I'm either going to come straight at you or I'm going to delay a little bit because I like wagged my hand before I attacked mm-hmm. or they will like look a certain direction if they're going to attack Mario or Luigi yeah. during the battle. Yeah. It's all just like really clever little nods like that, that you as the player feel like you're engaged in the fight. Sure. Pretty much always mm-hmm. without it having to be like, like you said, a, a full blown Zelda or something like that, where mm-hmm. You're swapping between different parts and jumping up and trying to kill a Lionel and exactly getting your ass kicked or something. Yeah. Yeah. I have time to think and breathe with a game like yeah. this. Yeah. But I will say that when they differentiate between who they're attacking by the color mm-hmm. of their text being green or red. Tough. A little tough for me. A little yeah. tough for me. It takes me just like a half a second longer to, to grok what's going yes. on. Yeah. Sometimes I get sometimes I get it deadly wrong. And Luigi just gets blasted. That's just, but this just happens. This, this stuff happens. Of all the games to have a colorblind mode, you would really hope that the one that is so specific to red and green. This was before the time of colorblind mode. 
<laughs> yes, yeah, it's this true. Is the two thousands, baby. Yeah, I'm excited about this. I, f- I feel like there's so many different kinds of Mario RPGs mm. in like this. I mean, like the Superstar Saga games like go on, and there's a lot of them. I think like Bowser's Inside Story is kind of a high point for the series. I think this one's also very, very good. Mm-hmm. But there's that. You have all the the Paper Mario's and then um, Super Mario RPG as well, which are all great. All of those are good. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. This is a new a new world of Mario for me. A new frontier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got it. Anyways. That's all I've been playing, Chase. What have you been playing? Uh, I got one game for you, David. Let's hear it. It's a bit of a doozy. I'm really curious to see what this is. I played through 2007's Bioshock the past few days. Okay. Big old game. Big, juicy, meaty game. Mm-hmm. I I don't know that we've talked about quite as big of a of a game on here other than like the ones mm. that are currently coming out sure you know big as in like big in the relation to video games as a whole or as it with to itself yeah I, I like this is just it's almost always brought up in conversations of like the best games ever mm-hmm. and I think like I've talked about Ocarina of Time on here before but I, I think I have a better idea of like how I appreciate Ocarina of time Mm. whereas like i just feel like there's so many angles you can take with bioshock and it was almost this like bizarre inflection point in games that it's like such a big topic to cover Mm -hmm. (laughs) but regardless i was like i don't think i had really played it since maybe the the release or shortly thereafter Mm -hmm. same yeah I may have played it a second time, but I'm not positive. It's been a while. Like most of most of the plot, I was like, I think I remember sort of the big beats. But other than that, not much. Also, just for anybody who like hasn't played this game and maybe wants to, I would suggest that you should probably play it. Like it's it's one of the the video games. But like I'm going to be talking pretty openly about shit that happens in the game here. So like spoilers, I suppose, for the next however long, because I think like one one of the game or one of the things that this game does really well is that there's kind of a big trick that it plays. There's a magic trick that happens in this game. Yeah. And like, I'd say that really only works super well once yeah. the, the first time you play it and the time that you don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. I knew what was going on this time a little bit. And so I think like that, the dramatics of that moment were a little bit less intense, but I, I think, I still think there's a lot to talk about here anyway. So spoilies, be careful. So for people who haven't played it or it's been a while, like just a little bit of a refresher. I, I, I am sure that a lot of people are familiar with this, but I bet there's a few that aren't or don't remember it exactly. Essentially you play as this dude named Jack who, uh, arrives via this plane crash you show up at this like light you land in the middle of the ocean up next to a lighthouse or something and you uh, immediately descend down into the city of rapture yeah it's a lighthouse in the middle of the ocean by the way yeah no it's out there just way out there the intro sequence just still like totally iconic really sets you in this place Mm-hmm. I, I I will say at the top that like any criticisms or thoughts about this game, like there is nothing I can hold against the art direction in this game. It is still yeah. just like so singular and amazing that, that there's really nothing else like it, uh, which is it, it's it's still apparent. Like this game came out in 2007. So like almost 20 years ago and it's still impressive, like how Mm -hmm. well they situate you immediately in this like underwater city. Rapture is this, this place that you you come to find out over the course of the game. It was founded, I think it said in like 1946 and was built shortly uh, after World War II by this dude named Andrew Ryan. Mm-hmm. who promised to build this like art deco, almost libertarian paradise under the ocean. Mm-hmm. The the sort of big line in his introduction right in the beginning, you're getting like a, a slideshow as you descend in this bathosphere. His, his big line is the, uh, the like, is, is a man, man not entitled to the sweat, on to the sweat of his brow. 
No, says the man in Washington, it belongs to the poor. No, says the man in the Vatican, it belongs to God. No, says the man in Moscow, it belongs to everyone. I rejected those answers. Instead, I chose something different. I chose the impossible. I chose rapture. artist would not fear the censor, where the scientist would not be bound by petty morality, where the great would not be constrained by the small, and with the sweat of your brow, rapture can become your city as well. And, and a nice uh, uh, transatlantic accent. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of transatlantic accents in this one. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so you as Jack, this plane crash happens in like 1960. So it's been a while since the, those two things happened, right? It was, uh, that's a 14 year difference. Mm-hmm. So Rapture has had a while to develop and then also unravel. But by the time you get there as Jack, the city's like just barely standing. It, yeah. There are like very few people who aren't, ha- who haven't totally lost it due to the effects of this thing called Adam, which is like kind of like superpower drugs that <laughs> were introduced <laughs> to the city. It's essentially like, V is in the boys, if you watch that. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right there. And so like the, the, you as, as the player, you're getting this kind of like not inspirational, but it's supposed to be inspirational speech from Andrew Ryan about like how amazing the city is. And that's contrasted immediately with like, this place is fucked. It's like broken down here. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing that happens is like somebody gets killed by these like splicer people who um, you don't really know what that means initially, but yeah. they just kill people with little regard, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one of the first thing that happens is you're contacted by this dude named Atlas uh, who like starts to kind of give you some direction and, and missions. And he uh, asks you kindly to do things for him. Mm-hmm. So like just mechanically, this game is an immersive sim. It, it is in that genre and is is very much seen as like the spiritual successor to System Shock, which is sort of what prompted me to play this in the first place. Mm. Is that I'd played System Shock recently and it was still fresh in my mind. And I was interested to see like what the connective tissue was because when this came out, I... I hadn't played System Shock and I was very unaware of like what immersive sims even were. Yeah. I think I was like 16 when this came out. So able to absorb the game, but I didn't really have the context of like where this came from. I, I think... For anybody who's maybe not as familiar with that genre, an immersive sim is just a a kind of game that I, I feel like is named pretty badly. I feel like we need to maybe uh-huh. come up with a different name. Yeah. It's a game where there are typically a few goals that you need to do and a lot of ways to do them. It, it, it The game typically will give you a list of mechanics and then sort of set you loose without a lot of direction, right? I think the most recent one that I played that was really great is Prey from 2017. Mm-hmm. And uh, But yeah, System Shock is in there. This is in there. I think you could probably make the argument that parts of Tears of the Kingdom is an immersive sim. Sure. Just because like those problems can be solved in so many ways mm-hmm. that like the game designers did not necessarily like built in build into any one challenge. They're just like, here's the mechanic. Here's your goal and go. I I think that that this part of the game in Bioshock is the part that feels kind of the most aged because like it doesn't feel as uh, big as Prey did. Prey felt like there were so many options and so many things available to you. This one, I think there are, but you know, the marketing around it initially was like, look, you can shock the water and the splicers will get shocked while they're in the water or something like that. Mm -hmm. And that was like a big deal, right? It was like, oh my God, I can really like interact with this world. And that's still true. And I think it's still cool, but it's not quite as like flashy as it was the first like 
time that I had played it. Yeah. I think a good example of this, maybe a little bit more in-depth example is there's this room early on in like the medical pavilion where there's a key that you need to a room because the room is locked. Mm-hmm. I was like looking around like I like I've I've been everywhere in this area. I don't think of I think I've found the key. But if you look through the window of that room, it's it's in there. It's like in the room that is locked. The game doesn't tell you anything, but you also got that level uh telekine- telekinesis mm-hmm. as one of your powers you know the the parts of your brain are supposed to kind of click into place and be like i know what to do yeah and like telekinesis the key to yourself and open the door that's not that's not written anywhere and like it's it's cool to be able to figure that out just with like the knowledge of the mechanics that you have yeah and the game is physical enough in the sense that like you can pick a lot of things up um you can move a lot of things and like generally anything that that is an item that you can take with you is movable so you can just grab it from far away. Mm -hmm. That stuff is cool. And I I think there is a lot of that, but a lot of the game's emergent qualities are typically with combat rather than like exploration. There's a lot of like powers that you get as Jack, the power to light something on fire or electrocute something or distract enemies a certain way or anything like that. And so I think that, that, that part of it just feels a little bit older. Mm. I think there, there was a adherence to the idea that like games need to be a shooting game yeah yeah and and i i don't necessarily think that that's true and even prey i think kind of there is shooting in that game but i think a lot of it is you don't have to all the time yes and so there's there's a little bit of a a pull away from that towards like well how else could you solve this problem yeah i feel bioshock is very much it 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 wants you to fight yes yeah no there's plenty of times where it's like you're stuck in a room and splices are coming after you and like that's that's it the lights go out and you hear the splicers coming it's like okay guys gotta (laughs) shoot a bunch of people yeah exactly the uh like i was i sort of alluded to already there's all these powers that you get a hold of um pretty early on by injecting yourself with plasmids that like that essentially give you like superhuman abilities right Mm -hmm. which is cool but also it's what kind of led to the downfall of rapture in the first place because there's a lot of reasons why it got introduced but essentially the the populace got addicted to these plasmids and Adam, mm-hmm. which kind of drove everybody mad when they yeah. didn't have enough of it. But like shooting bees out of your arms, pretty cool. Pretty cool. I like that. So uh, that's what the game is mechanically. I think why this game continues to be a point of conversation is sort of the thematic shit that it's doing, hmm. which is all very good. I, I what? Sorry. When you're, when you're, you're, you're lamenting the chat GPT-ness of sometimes we say the thematic shit. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's probably a better way to say it, but you, <laughs> you know what you're here it for. Was, it's just funny. Now I hear it when it, when it happens. Yeah. I hear it in myself it too. Don't you worry. Um, so essentially like there's a couple avenues that I want to look at this for. One is just like on a, on a base layer, what this game, it's pulling from a lot of different places, but I think the big thing that you need to have a little bit of context for when you're going into this is uh Anne Rand specifically uh-huh. the author um and her like idea of objectivism i know like somebody's eyes probably just rolled in the back of their head for a second but like st- stick with it it is interesting yes controversial arth- author Anne Rand yes uh i would say bad philosopher <laughs> has the wrong ideas about how to do stuff yes disagreements with the podcast hosts <laughs> yes so for, for anybody who like doesn't know exactly what objectivism is uh, i'm gonna make a huge oversimplification and summarize it as it, it's her making the argument for the virtues of being selfish she argues that like only through selfishness can society move forward um, and you, you largely see criticisms of people who like won't work or something like that you know like a lot of it is society will move forward by people who kind of take the initiative and like get shit done and, and act out of self-interest. Hmm. 
So yeah, uh, she she wrote two books that are like kind of the the bigger deals in her canon. Um, one of which is one of which is Atlas Shrugged, and the other one is The Fountainhead. Um, those are both like books that are written kind of about objectivism, or at least like built with that idea in mind. Mm-hmm. And th- this game is it, it feels very much like a response to that, right? Um, you, you see that a lot in in sort of the the criticisms and the think pieces about it is that it is tackling those ideas and sort of showing you like this is probably what would happen if like if all the wild shit existed and also this city was really built and the like morals and thoughts were built with objectivism as in mind. Mm-hmm. Andrew Ryan's like a big proponent of, uh, like I said, you know, there's a man not entitled to the sweat of his on his brow. Um, <laughs> he's all about like, you can come down here and just do whatever the fuck you want. Like if, if you're somebody who has like vision and drive, like you can come to rapture it and do what you need to. I, I think the, the game starts really well because it gives you this example of this character, J.S. Steinman, who he's this like doctor who came to rapture to like do his work as a doctor because he felt like very constrained by the real world. Mm-hmm. And he eventually was like, oh, like I, I, I'm really into uh, like cosmetic surgery. And because it's rapture, I can really do this without like guardrails. Mm -hmm. Um, there's no, like, there's no safety procedures in place that I need to follow. I can just do whatever. Um, and through these like audio logs in the game, you, you see him sort of degrade Yeah, as far as his thought goes of initially it's, oh my God, I'm, I'm, there's so much freedom down here. I can do whatever I want. And then it turns into, well, it's actually really easy to do this and everybody should do this. And that turns into, well, if no one can be quote unquote ugly, mm. is it kind of a moral failing to be ugly then? Like are, are, are the people who decide to still kind of like look the way that they were born looking Hmm. Is that some kind of failure on that part? Because like, Hmm. this is available to them. And then of course, like Adam gets introduced, like the, 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 the plasmid drugs and suddenly dude is talking to Persephone, the, the goddess of beauty. And like, just uh, every one of his patients is, is always imperfect, right? Mm -hmm. He can never quite get it right. And ends up like, you know, killing a lot of people and maiming a lot of other ones. And I think the, the game does a really good job of showing like this is what happens when people just like don't have guardrails, right? They're, they're, they're these people who are like very self-obsessed and got all these like bad senses of grandeur of themselves, right? Because so much of what he's talking about in those scenes is like, it's subjective stuff, right? Like beauty is not something that you can diagnose, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. But because like the 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 game is built on the back of this idea of objectivism, like being selfish, it's like, well, of course I know what is true, mm-hmm. right? It's me. I'm 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 the center of the universe. Mm. And not not to mention, like, I'd say most of the people in this game have sort of like fascistic bends to them. They're all kind of pushing for their worldview most of the time. Sure. And like just them. Right. And they will kind of go to whatever means necessary. And and uh, Steinman is like exactly the same way because he's doing a lot of fascistic shit where he is starting to talk about like very specific and in otherwise in, other, in any other context, like minute details about people, right? Mm-hmm. Like things that he could make everybody look exactly the same, but this person's a little bit shorter than that one. And this one's hair is a little bit farther over or something and starting to pick people apart based on these like r- real arbitrary shit and divide the people that are his like should be his clients. Yeah. A very fascist thing to do of like trying to divide people based on shit that just doesn't matter mm-hmm. you know um so i think like they they do a really good job introducing that like that's what this game is you're gonna see a lot of that mm-hmm. and i i think like andrew ryan is just like a, a very good villain overall oh, yeah. 
like uh, iconic in his own sense, but I, it's great that he's kind of like talking shit to you a lot of the game mm-hmm. and trying to explain like, I'm right, dude. I'm the one who's in the right here. You're the like, he calls you a parasite really often. Yeah. Talks bad about quote unquote parasites. Other people like that who they don't have ideas of their own. They just like take from people. Mm-hmm. Again, something that I the think welfare like, queens. Yes. I, I, I was just about to say, I think you hear stuff like Andrew Ryan pretty often. Oh yeah recently Fox news yeah and like i think it is when i was playing through this i was like yeah it's really clear in this situation just how like ridiculous that is mm-hmm. and just like how he's so subscribed to this idea of like rugged capitalism you know it's it's laissez-faire the market will take care of it kind of shit yeah and i i you know that's that's familiar too i think like a lot of people have gone kind of mask off about like yeah i totally believe in like how like brutal capitalism should be and like you know people should be paid less than me and that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and and in a way that's just like it's it's confusing for me how people still kind of like defend that idea because like it, it's 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 just clearly not working here and i think in a way that is very familiar to a lot of people who are like existing in 2023 yeah i mean it's kind of showing you what the end result of a society that operates that way is yeah which is not yeah. good no and yeah it's it, it's just very familiar in, in a way that sucks i like i i don't think america's gonna end up like this because like plasmids don't exist but mm. i think you see the same defense of billionaires now in in the way that like a lot of people are are, are defending them in the game there there's this idea in in the game of like oh we need to bring you know all these artists and creators down to rapture and there's like something nice about that but it's also it like i said it's with this idea of of the free market in mind and there's all these audio logs about like people being pissed off that like i didn't get my like paradise down here because like there's there were no more jobs left except like the janitor mm-hmm. you know and i think that that's like a pretty easy scenario to imagine and i i don't think that the solution there is like we should automate out janitors but like maybe there's a world where like all work is dignified mm. there is dignity in doing you know i, I wouldn't even call it straightforward because that sounds like a really brutal fucking job but like that when you set a society up in this way when there is where there is a hierarchy based on work and income yeah. that shit like that happens where people get down there and they're like what the fuck this isn't what i imagined but despite the fact that like the city is built with their ideology in mind Mm -hmm. you know bootstraps bootstraps exactly yeah you're you're entitled to the sweat of your on your brow but like if you say hey i'm down on my luck i don't have health insurance right now and i don't have a job what do i do like andrew Mm -hmm. ryan's would say i guess you're gonna die fuck yourself yes exactly Um, there's all these audio logs about him talking about like we need to not react to all the wild shit happening down here the market will take care of it essentially Mm -hmm. which is pretty wild Uh, you know that the game is clearly trying to drive home that he's like bad you know yes but i think it's more of an indictment of the system rather than this guy Mm. of him saying like you know the market will take care of it the first time he runs into these little sisters Mm -hmm. which i'll explain in a second but the first time he runs into him his complaint is not like oh my god how are we doing this to children his complaint is god i wish they made them a little bit better to look at like they look gross and, yeah. and they bum me out to see them. Well, who, who's doing their marketing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, they, they need a better marketing team. I think just to, to speak a little bit on on the sort of like little sister, big daddy thing. <laughs> I know. It's out a, of context is very strange. I know. <laughs> it, it sounded like I was about to delve into some fan fiction, but no, it's <laughs> yeah. The, in, in the game, there are these characters called uh, little sisters and big daddies. The little sisters are these uh, little girls who 
they have these kind of like needle looking extractor things that they're carrying around yeah. and they're protected by these big old timey diver looking. Yeah. An old diving suit, like right, 1920s yeah. diving suit. I think if you have seen marketing material from Bioshock, you've probably seen one of these guys. Yeah. Very iconic design. And uh, I was I was reading about the development of the game, and they had essentially said like they had come up with this the system of the splicers, the little sisters, and the big daddies like really early on in development hmm. before they had like the setting or Rapture or anything like that. Like they were building this system of like okay, so we have like one character who would be the little sisters who have like a resource that these other antagonists, the splicers, want, mm-hmm. but they're protected by this third like larger kind of terrifying enemy that is mostly non-violent towards the player yeah unless like provoked mm-hmm. and they had essentially built a lot of of that the the like game mechanic model early on and so they were tr- trying to figure out like what how do, how do we do this how do we make this into a game mm-hmm. and it, it wasn't kind of until a little bit later that they finally arrived on like rapture and the whole the whole deal interesting i i, I would have assumed that that was not the case that like they found rapture first and then they did the rest of it yeah. but it's 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 interesting to kind of read about this stuff. They also have like a, a museum in the video game that you can go and check out in the uh-huh. like ultimate edition or whatever, oh, really? where you can check out. Here's a bunch of scrapped enemy types that we had. Hmm. Here's some like locations that we had to change, and a lot of it was in service of making the game like more grounded. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of what they called Scooby Doo monsters, where sure. they were big, kind of like terrifying like zombie things, and they're like we we thought it was kind of scarier to just have the splicers be like people who have like lost it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I, I agree. Like you're, you're much closer to them. It seems like if I fuck this up with the plasmids and the atom, like I'm not that far from these people. Yeah. They, they kind of work. And this is not my opinion at all, but as far yeah. as capitalism is concerned, it's kind of like how you are, you are intended to view homelessness. Sure. Yeah. Right. People who are, who have been chewed up and spit out by the system and are down yeah. on their luck and are resorting to any means necessary to survive at that point with what's been yeah. provided to them. No, it's, it's, it's a good, it's a, that's a good point. Cause like, uh, I, I think a lot of how the game frames the splicers is that like they, like maybe they made the decision to take Adam in the first place and use these plasmids, but like there was like a civil war going on yeah. in, in Rapture. Like essentially what had happened was that this dude, uh, Frank Fontaine and like just real quick with kind of a big spoiler the guy atlas who is guiding you around most of the game is frank fontaine he's just kind of putting it on for you i i just want to comment on how clever i think that the uh naming of atlas being atlas shrugged Mm -hmm. and uh frank fontaine being fountainhead is just like the same character i'm like "Mm, nice very good touch you guys so yeah like the there was this civil war going on in rapture that was being fought between frank fontaine and andrew ryan essentially frank had founded the company that started making the plasmids also andrew ryan sounds like ann rand correct yeah no the it's it's like almost the same name just kind of some letters moved around I, i think again just a tangent off that it's supporting the idea that Andrew Ryan was there first and Frank Fontaine, this guy, is kind of who he made, right? Mm-hmm. Frank Fontaine is a response to Rapture. Like, he's operating under how Rapture works and he's just like, I'm going to scam you guys because mm-hmm. that's what this this place is set up to do is for people to be scammed. Yep. And, and so, like, Frank Fontaine had founded this, like, plasmid company and because Andrew Ryan was like, well, we can't, like, interrupt the, the capitalist machine, he let it sort of linger and hang out all the while, like, this Dr. Tenenbaum, who you interact with, she had figured out that, like, okay, these, like, weird slugs 
have the ability to like heal people in in very strange ways. Yeah, because they had made Rapture first and then they found the slugs, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah it, it took a little while and they figured out, okay, well, the, the way to produce the stuff that these slugs used to like enhance people, Adam, you can produce a lot of it if you implant the slug into the uh, like stomach of a young girl mm-hmm. and then they produce a lot of it, which is what leads you to the whole little sister thing. Yeah. And again, there's just no guardrails in, in Rapture. So like there's nobody to say, no, you can't do that because Andrew Ryan's like, no, dude, I, I'm not going to do that. They're they're working their hardest and they deserve to mm-hmm. earn or whatever. If you want to put a slug in a girl, go for it. Exactly. And, and so, again, because there's no, there's no like safety measures here, Fontaine's just starts saying like, all right, I'm going to make like super soldiers essentially to come and like take this city over from you um, because I have so much access to these plasmids. They end up fighting this like civil war. And in the course of that, like the city kind of dissolves a little bit, like the the rule that that is in place is not it, it doesn't hold as and essentially part of that is because Frank Fontaine's starts to like win people over who mm-hmm. came there expecting paradise but and in his, in his words said like i just tried to treat them like they were worth a damn you know mm-hmm. which is like such a bummer because that's pretty effective you know yeah. if if you're leading a movement and you're selling the fact that like you matter but that's a con that sucks right like that's a, that's a really brutal way to lead people around oh, yeah but something that you know people do absolutely so anyway the 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 end result of the civil war is that like most of the population of rapture is hooked on adam it's just the terrible version of hooked on phonics pretty much yeah the worst cursed version of phonics. addicted to drugs <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i yeah i i think that like the the game that that's kind of the big i guess thematic thrust of the game is mostly just experiencing that arc and and there's there's also this like there's this story about like you being controlled by these two men uh Andrew Ryan and and initially mostly Atlas, uh, Frank Fontaine. I think that there's like some cool reveals there, but that's sort of the trick that I was talking about that kind of only works once. Like once you know that you are being led around by Atlas, it's really the 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 re- the only real joy there is like seeing when he says would you kindly, you know, the rest of it's kind of like, yeah, okay. I I understand what's happening Mm -hmm. here. I wouldn't say it's bad, but like, I I think the game is intentionally bringing up like player choice and player agency, Mm -hmm. which is something that like thematically I love whenever a game does that. It, It just feels kind of strange to, in a game that is like largely linear, both before and after you've cured yourself of that, um, like disease that allows you to be controlled. It's, it's a strange thing to put right at the middle of it all. Sure. But I, 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 I uh, essentially what I'm saying there is that I like the setup and I like, I think the thoughts that they're putting into it. I just don't know that it necessarily translates exactly to the game. Hmm. This is <laughs> for better or worse, what started the Ludo narrative com- uh, dissonance conversation. Mm-hmm. Like Clinton Hawking wrote that essay about this game. So I don't, I don't necessarily need to retread all that. Sure. Like, part of me is just like, it's a video game. It's okay. <laughs> like they're, they're in video games. You get missions and that's okay. I, I think there are better games that pick apart player agency. Sure. Metal Gear Solid 2 being one of them. But yeah, it's, it's, it's something that I don't really need to relitigate. I think that conversation's kind of been touched upon mm-hmm. and I think we have also figured out better ways to allow for player agency in ways that are meaningful and and do feel like very big and uh, responsive rather than just like, well, we know we have to make a linear shooter. Let's see if we can't play with the agency thing a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, what this game is in 2023 is kind of the, the thing I was trying to think about most of the time I was playing through this game of like, sure, this came out in 2007. And I think a lot of the conversation at the time was like, this is the best game ever made, yada, yada, yada. It was very popular. Uh, Critical darling. Yeah. And I, I think for good reason, I, I like, I'm not here to pick apart this Bioshock. Um, 
I'm probably going to play the rest of them. I'm pretty sure I'm going to have a lot to say about Infinite, but mm-hmm. this one I think is like, I, I understand why this was as popular as it was. Like, I, I, I'm i not going to stand here and say that this is like the first artistic game that was kind of thrown around a lot at the time. And I, it's just it's not nonsense. True. Yeah. It's not true at all. Like, I think it was for people who might not be familiar with games, it was recognizable as like, ooh, this looks like art, huh? Yeah. Like I I know what art is. It's movies and books and stuff like that and this game has a lot of that. Yeah. And it's it's very much rooted in a fairly well-known at least in like literary circles philo- philosophical mm-hmm. idea, which yeah. I think also is what set a lot of people off about this game, about the Anne Rand connection. Um and yes. how it was thinking on a higher plane than other games supposedly, <laughs> right? Because of that. Yes. And and like like I said, I I think that that's a good thing. I think that this game coming out showed the industry like this kind of game can be made Mm -hmm. and it can be popular. I I think you see games engaging with thought way more often now than you did at the time. And it might, it might not be a direct response to some like 20th, 20, 20th century author, but like, I think you see this come up quite a bit in major titles and in indie titles. It, 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 it definitely is a thing that the games industry does now, but at the time, like it a little less so, uh, you know, but I think to call it the first artistic game is a big oversight. Like, hey, listen, man, Metal Gear Solid 2, Metal Gear Solid 1 was already out and it had been for almost 10 years. So like, um, <laughs> this is our Kojima pr- uh, promotion portion of the podcast. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Thank you, Kojima, for the $10 you just spent on me. <laughs> But like, I I think it is also ignoring the art that is in other games that is not familiar to other mediums, Mm. you know, like I'm like, I am going to stand on this hill and say that Mario's jump is artistic. That is art. The, mm-hmm. the how good it feels to jump as Mario is artistic. It does feel pretty good. It does feel pretty good. And that's hard to do. And like relies on this like humanistic part of us that mm-hmm. isn't just like tech design. Yeah. You know, that's a part of it. But like there's more to it than that. O- Ocarina of Time had already been out. And like that that is an artistic video game. I, I think if you are looking for like the presence of a significant amount of plot as your barometer for for art, maybe not there. Like there's there's a plot that's happening in Ocarina of Time, but like the rest of it is amazing. Mm-hmm. It is a gorgeous video game. I think the story that it tells has like a lot to unpack, despite the fact it is simple. Yeah. I, I think that Tears of the Kingdom has kind of blown my mind in the way that like that game is also simple, but it is just nailing the simple story that it is tailing, telling in a way that I would also say, like, you would be hard pressed to not describe that as art. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not here to relitigate that Bioshock is art. I'm sort of uh, here to say that, like, it was here much earlier than I think that people at the time thought. Yeah. You're, you're, you're simply stating that other games have, had already been art. Just yes, correct. maybe not in the way that the world at large appreciates. No, not not at the time. I, I think video games were just still so young. And like, I know that's strange saying that about a 2007 video game, but still, I, I don't know that it quite hit the fever pitch of the amount of people saying like, yes, this is definitely an accepted medium for for artistic endeavors mm-hmm. that that conversation still happens in weird circles now but like i think that's a pretty well accepted thing at this point but even still i i think that it was uh, games have been art for a really really long time regardless of um bioshock coming out mm-hmm. let's see i i think the stuff that's kind of sticking with me this playthrough is the 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 surprise of the whole plot is like i've sort of seen it and then that's not really exactly a surprise anymore the the like artistic design of rapture while like just amazing i have been there you know in in this game before so that wasn't quite as much of a shock a bioshock that that was quite a bioshock <laughs> 
<laughs> but I, I, it's this playthrough. I am seeing so much more of like the the in game marketing that is going on sure. that has really stuck with me. How so? The way that Andrew Ryan markets Rapture, uh, the way that the like game, the in-game stores market themselves, mm. right? Like those horrifying clown. Uh, I was about to say the clown dealers. noise is still <laughs> very clear in my memory. Yes, yeah. it's so spooky, unsettling. You go up to it and it says the same shit every time, and then anytime you back out of it, it does the like <laughs> as you're walking it. away. It's so much. It's brutal. All of that stuff really uh, is, I think, is striking because the the stuff that you're doing in the game a lot of the time is pretty horrifying right like whenever you equip the ice plasmid like icicles shoot out of your hand yeah right like they they're spikes that appear from the outside uh -huh. or from the inside out and then you shoot that at another human being to freeze them and kill them but the like marketing is very much the like Welcome to the introduction of the ice power. You're going to freeze the bad guys. That sort of stuff. And I know that like Ken Levine had talked about how like Disneyland was a big inspiration for him when building this game. Mm. Disneyland is a lot of marketing. It's sure a lot of selling is. you like imagery and ideas and like a feeling. And I think you see that a lot in, in Rapture, which is also like it's familiar, I think, for, for people who are living now, right? It was then too, but I, I, again, I think there's just like, there've been so many mask off moments and I think people are also like really attuned to corporate bullshit a lot more uh, than they were at the sure. time, or at least like, uh, the people who are kind of our age and younger are attuned to corporate bullshit because like you, you just see through it immediately, right? Like all yeah. the, uh, the kind of like greenwashing that companies will do yeah. about like, we're doing our part to change, to help climate change. And then, you know, continuing to, to pollute the pump, world, terribly. Yeah, pollute the world and be like the biggest uh, greenhouse gas emitters ever. But they're like, yeah, just like shit like that, where you see the kind of like facade for a lot of uh, what it is. Right. I think you, you see it in Elon. You see it in Zuck and like Bobby Kotick and all these guys who are like they're selling you this like I wouldn't call them Andrew Ryan, but like sure that kind of like, I'm an inspirational figure and we're going to get it done. And like this worked for Elon for a while. He was like the electric car guy, but mm -hmm. then everybody's like, wait, what the fuck is this? This is who you are? Like, what is this guy? Yeah. This guy sucks. He was trying to pretend he was Tony Stark, but he was actually, was the, whoever the bad guy was in the first one, I forget his name. Uh, Elon Musk. Elon, yeah. <laughs> Elon Musk. It was actually Elon Musk in the first Iron Man movie. Yeah. Little did you know. He is, he is in the second one, which is a bummer. But. I know. So like, I, I think that the, that part of it feels kind of acute of like, wow, this, they, they nailed this part of it too, of like how much selling that person is a big deal mm -hmm. for them. And like uh, Frank Fontaine does this too, of saying like, uh, like I was saying the, the, he's selling the image of I'm a savior, you know, I'm changing the, 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 the industry and I'm changing rapture for the better, like the people are going to take over and shit like that. And it's, it's a little bit of astroturfing, right? You, you see that in, in in normal days of things pretending to be like grassroots organizations, but uh, they are really not. They're just funded for X, Y, Z purpose. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, I, I think a lot of that is, it's still very relevant, right? You, you see a lot of the language that was coming out of Andrew Ryan. Like it's very familiar fucking. I'm glad that he's not in politics anymore, but like Paul Ryan was like, I'm a big Ayn Rand guy. Yeah. Which is just like, insanity it's, it's mm -hmm. fucking crazy to me that somebody would believe that people love Anne rand i don't know i guess it gives them permission to be shitty but still yeah. i <laughs> i happened to venture onto like the internet because i was like i'm curious like what people think about this because this seems kind of cut and dry to me about like what the interpretation 
a lot of this should be. I, I know that there's places where people can interpret like whether or not they liked it or not, but just like Andrew Ryan's a bad guy, you know, like <laughs> that should be mm-hmm. the thing. I saw a lot of takes that just like really missed the whole fucking point. Yeah. It's mostly on Reddit. So like, you know, credit where credit is due. Reddit. <laughs> but like people being like, oh yeah, I love Anne Rand and like, God, I loved Bioshock. I'm like, did you play the same game that I did? Yeah. There's the like, did you see the hellish <laughs> uh, dystopia that Anne Rand's ideology unleashed upon this city? Yes. Yeah. The, the nightmare place that it created, mm-hmm. it, which was, which was very strange. Uh, you know, every now and then I think you get people who are on Reddit that are, that, that seem to me like, okay, I, I think this landed in the way that the creators were endeavoring to, but man, it's a lot of like folks who just were like, Hey, the game is fucking cool. It's cool to kill the big daddies. The you know? bees, baby. The bees were sick. And like, listen, I got the bees bee. are yeah, sick. I gotta be the bees, baby. <laughs> I gotta be the bee. <laughs> I gotta do this do and be that bee. Do you think Will I Am played this game and that's where I'm a bee came from? I think that's really the only logical conclusion. Yeah. I think we cracked the code. <laughs> Yeah, so like I, I I think that part of the good part about this game is that it is enjoyable to people who like maybe don't even uh, really dig into a lot of it. And like full disclosure, I was kind of one of those dudes when I was 17. Like yeah. I was like, yeah, Andrew Ryan's bad and I get that. But like I would not say that I was like engaging with the thought in this game nearly as much Definitely. as like this play. Definitely not. This would be an interesting one to go back to play with an adult brain. I would, I, that's sort of what my initial thought was, was like, there was a lot of shit going on in here that I bet would be better with like more context, you know, mm-hmm. seeing how the world kind of shakes out sometimes is like, it, it makes this game feel different. Yeah. This, this game is rated M for mature because it has uh, big brain ideas. <laughs> you have to have life context to, to fully understand and yeah, appreciate. Yeah. I think the the only there's like just a few more things that I want to mention before we close out uh, Bioshock for the moment, because like this is also the type of game that I might be like doing something else and in a week be like, oh, fuck, I forgot to mention this. Sure. So this may come up more. But still, the the these are the kind of the last things that I had written down. I, I feel like it is a little bit of an oversight that the game doesn't really grapple at all with race. Sure. I've, I feel like a game where people are building a quote unquote perfect society in 1946 and you're showing up in 1960, like there's going to be some weird shit going on there. Yeah. Especially like a lot of these people are Americans. So like race is a big deal at that point in time. Uh-huh. And like, I, I get not wanting to like, chomp at that because like that's a big thing to tackle but it just feels kind of like weird that it's not there you know i'd say with our modern lens it's weird yes yeah, yeah. It, it, i'm sure that was it, it it makes sense that at the time they're like uh fuck no you know like that's that's a big topic mm-hmm. and it is and and like i wouldn't want them to i would prefer them do this than do it really badly or do it in a way that's like totally tone deaf um but it, it's just like when i like i was saying when i was playing through it i was like it's like wait where where is the context here it seems like there's a big thing missing you get it here in like little bits and pieces of like people still kind of using outdated language yeah but like other than that 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 just kind of feels like table dressing at a certain point it's like there's no real digestion of like that topic at all so it's very bizarre and like it also kind of part of me appreciates it because in bioshock infinite that they do kind of tackle that and it sucks (laughs) so Mm -hmm. you know it's just something that was on my mind when i was playing totally and i think also the the last thing is that the the moral choice that the game gives you of whether or not to like harvest the little sisters for their atom Mm -hmm. still the easiest choice in video games man like yeah that's it feels like such a non-choice for me of like 
kill the little girl and take her energy. Hey, you know, I've never seen Paul Ryan play through this game. <laughs> yeah, he might be like, well, I'm a rugged individual. He's, he's, he's a big Ayn Rand guy. He's, yeah, I mean, if you're following a strict Ayn Rand philosophy, you're harps yeah. in that little girl. Um, it's true. It's true. Um, but but still, I think like if if the metrics on like how many people played Paragon and Mass Effect are to be drawn out a little bit, I would be shocked if there was a huge number of people who were oh. like, taking the atom from these girls. I, no. I feel like that's not really. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. But I do think that there probably are some freakazoids out there. Yeah, no, for <laughs> sure. For sure. Um, it, Sorry it's if just you're like, someone who, who harvested the little girls. <laughs> I'd say, you know, if you did it consistently for all of them. That is yeah. that is a, a red, <laughs> kind of a red flag. Yes. Yeah. If you do one of them and then you're like, oh, yeah, for sure. Let's do that again. Not like, oh, my God. OK, no, I can't like, do that I immediately anymore. regret that decision. Yeah. Because, again, I, I, I think the game is playing so much with agency and like how like you as the player get to choose what to do there. And that's one of your bigger choices. And I think to, to build the game's themes around like the, one of the bigger lines in the end is a man chooses a slave obeys. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like to have it be such an obvious choice of like, do I want to be the worst or do I want to do the good thing? Yeah. Right. Murder a child or don't. Yes. Tough decision. <laughs> Not to bring uh, the age old example up, but like Undertale does it a little bit better, right? Of mm-hmm. it is not obvious to you initially that pacifism is an option in Undertale. And pacifism is a lot fucking harder <laughs> yep. than uh, killing everybody in that game, or at least killing some people, right? Except for Sans um, in it, the end, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's, he's a real bastard. But I, I think that probably would have served this game a little bit better where like maybe you don't get any atom at all if you don't harvest the little girls. Right. Mm-hmm. And like having a couple of plasmids is a real big advantage. But uh, in this case, you still get plenty of atom. I, I never really was hurting for, for plasmid yeah. stuff. I just wasn't a, a super powered freak by the end. No. And and even still, you can kind of like kind of get around it. They'll also reward you for not killing them eventually. Like yeah. they'll give you more shit for not doing it. So it's like it, it just felt like it's I, I like games where the quote unquote like moral thing to do, the thing that seems like the good thing is hard. Sure. Because I feel like that's much more familiar that like difficulty in making the right choice is an experience that I can empathize with a lot. Right. I wish the morality system in games that you see more often was kind of how the world works. Right. Doing the right thing is easy. Like not really. A lot of the time it's not very easy. It's usually at your own risk, at your own danger. Mm -hmm. You usually have to devote expense, time, anything. Right. Like a lot of that is there because the structures of society uh, do not benefit the people who do good things. Usually Mm -hmm. it is structured such that like you, it, it rewards Andrew Ryan and Frank Fontaine. So I think that that's that's kind of a miss in hindsight. Seeing and a- after seeing just how good games can do it. Yeah, that's my one game. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, that's that's a beefy one to unpack. Yes, and I'm sure I've touched about ten percent of this video game. There's so much in there. Now I kind of want to replay Bioshock. It's uh, honestly, it's worth it. It's not super long. Mm-hmm. I think it was like ten hours. Really flies by too. I, I feel like the middle section of the game is kind of just like one great level after another. Sure. So I I think it's worth it, especially just to kind of like revisit these hallmarks of like video games history 
in in the context that it is not in anymore right Mm -hmm. i think people will return to mario pretty often but i feel like that middle section of the 2000s at least personally i'm not always running back to because i think a lot of the the quote-unquote great games of that era have been iterated on there's like maybe a good version of that now Mm -hmm. right like i think modern warfare came out that year too and like there's a better call of duty game out now yeah it's true it it might not be as impactful but like the visuals and the shooting all feel really good mm-hmm. in modern day. Mm-hmm. You know, Wow Vanilla came out a little while ago. You can play a version of Wow that was out in 2007, but it's it's fresh and cool. So it's interesting to return to these ones that like, yeah, Bioshock Infinite came out, but that was in 2013. So it's it's kind of been a minute since uh, this game series has been around. Ten years. Wow. I'm probably going to play two and then I'm probably going to play Infinite. I didn't play the DLC for Infinite and I'm not sure exactly what to expect there. I didn't even know there was DLC for Infinite. There is, yeah. Apparently you go to Rapture in the oh, DLC. Oh, that's the one I'm thinking about. I thought that was the mm-hmm. DLC for Bioshock, but they just had a straight up sequel to Bioshock. Right. That's right. Yeah. Under the Sea? Is that the the Infinite DLC? I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll uh I'll go on another diatribe about that <laughs> another day. It's, it's that that one I feel like is gonna be a whole thing. It's I, I've read a lot of like I read a lot of criticism about this one and about Infinite. And like I feel like the criticisms of this one come down in a lot of different directions, but a lot of the people who I like and uh, respect their opinions are all kind of like, yeah, Infinite kind of sucks in the in the stuff that it dis- displays. So mm-hmm. we'll we'll see how that one goes. See how it goes. What does Ken Levine even do nowadays? I think he's I think they're building a new game, right? I think there was like something that they've been working on. They did Bioshock, he then worked on Bioshock Infinite the DLC, and then apparently uh, Judas is the game that's coming out. Judas. Anyway, David, this will bring me to my podtimistic thing of the week. Which is? The writing of people on the internet still being around from this time, specifically. <laughs> so the internet archives. Yeah, like it was, it, it's cool to read people's reviews of this because they're pretty readily available at outlets that still exist. You know, like IGN's review of Bioshock is like, you can go read that. It can be kind of challenging with a games that are a little bit less well known or that had less coverage because it's like I like that page that we're referencing on Wikipedia might lead to a 404 or something. So like uh-huh. I can't go see it. But a lot of the writing about this still exists or even even a couple of years after that. Right. Like somebody writing about Bioshock in 2010 or something like that sure. is, is still interesting because people are kind of digesting it. And it reflects a lot of the the feelings at the time, which um I think are interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And just kind of the internet still existing. I know the internet is bad for a lot of stuff. And th- trust me, there are a lot of bad takes about Bioshock, <laughs> but but it is cool to go back and see people who are like giving it a little bit of thought and digesting and digging into like what the game is saying mm-hmm. even then. So that was cool. Awesome. Do you have something fueling your sense of optimism, David? Yeah, it's the Game Boy Advanced. It's the Game Boy Advanced. Yeah, man, absolutely. I love you. that <laughs> little guy. It's oh good. Oh my gosh. Some of my best gaming memories are on the Game Boy Advance. And I think I just, it's one of my least thought about gaming systems but one of the whenever i go back and play any of the games on it it there is just something so quintessentially gba about it all that just really is exceptionally nostalgic and comforting in a very unique way so yeah i I love that and that makes me even more excited for the new yacht club games mina the hollow mina the hollower i think it's what it's called yeah and that is in a gba style of uh design and aesthetic so i'm extra excited for that one after going back and playing some mario and luigi superstar saga uh and just experiencing that type of game again it really is unique and and special i think yeah i i feel like i try not 
super hard because sometimes it's like, why even bother? But like, I try and disengage from nostalgia a little bit when I'm looking at some of this shit. Mm-hmm. And like, I can do that to a certain extent, especially for games that like I maybe didn't play originally. Sure. It's pretty easy to be like, well, I didn't play this at first. So it's not like this is really uh, hitting a different way. But like, God, the GBA is pretty hard to detach myself from that nostalgic hit. Yeah, absolutely. I've I've heard from people too who are a little bit younger than us that the DS is like that for them. That sure. like even the aesthetic of the DS, they're like, "Fuck yeah, dude, that's my two shit. screens, baby, two screens, um, <laughs> two screens." <laughs> I, I knew it was going in the in two chains' direction. I think that there's something like so cool about a system that you can be very close with. I know that sounds simple, but like I, I feel like people talk a lot about how amazing the GBA is and the DS and like now the Switch because it's just like personal. It's yeah. right there with you. There's something very, yeah, different, personal, almost like a little more visceral in a way yeah. of holding yeah. and looking at one object that is your what you're gaming on, you know, as opposed to having a, a console, a controller and a TV. You just have this one thing that's all of those things in one. Yeah. Yeah. And you can take it right in front of your take face. It anywhere. Oh, now I need a Steam Deck, don't I? I'm just making the I'm just I'm, I'm just making the the argument for a Steam Deck for myself. Yeah, you're like my podgamistic thing is handheld consoles that I can take with me and play my whole Steam library. I mean, my Game Boy games. Hey, those daddies aren't going to dream themselves. That's true. You can play Dream Daddy on that thing. I think. I mean, I have it on Steam. It's happening. It's gonna. It's, it's gonna happening. happen. Uh, do you want to move on to our main thing, David? Yeah, let's do it. Welcome to Good Games. It's the segment where we talk about the okayest games of yesteryear and talk about the things that we love about them. Got a listener suggested game for this one. Hell yeah. This this segment we are doing the ultimate Spider-Man suggested to us by Killian. Thank you, Killian. Mm, great suggestion. I was wondering if this one was going to be your shit and I had a feeling it kind of was. I mean, I read all of these comic books. Yeah. I, I remember you being a big Spidey head. Uh, like specifically at this time that this game was out yeah and specifically ultimate spider-man right like this was my this was my spider-man back in the day yeah it like launched kind of in like the early 2000s right i think it ran from 2000 to 2011 right and then spoilers ends with the death of peter parker sure yeah and then it switches to ultimate comics spider-man which is the debut of miles morales Mm, so this is the mile this is the miles morales verse oh sure enough yeah Mm -hmm. i was like not i i didn't like read uh spider-man at the time Mm -hmm. but i i think i did play this game Mm. so because it was very familiar i I was like playing through certain scenes i'm like i feel like i I have definitely played this before yeah (laughs) <laughs> yes it's the opposite of the gandalf meme of having no memory of this place i, I'm like, this I, place. I do have memory of this place I, I have been here good job brain but before we get too far can i hit you with a few hot stats about this game david please hot stats hot stats so ultimate spider-man came out september 22nd of 2005 in north america for gamecube xbox ps2 and pc it was made none other than treyarch uh, I was a little bit surprised to see their name on this one. Classic. They they also made a bunch of games. I think I knew them uh, like by name mm-hmm. uh, for the Call of Duty series. Yeah. They made a lot of the like Black Ops games. They made Vanguard, Warzone, and then also the most recent Modern Warfare. So they've been around the block on that series, but mm-hmm. they also made the famous Minority Report, Everybody Runs. 
I do not remember that game at all. Neither, neither, neither do I. I don't think I've ever played that. But uh, more relevant, they made most of the PlayStation 2 Spider-Man games. So those, the first like one and then the, the movie tie-in that like I feel like was the start of like Spider-Man games are really, really good now. Mm-hmm. They had been great before that, but I, I think that second Spider-Man 2, the, the game for PS2 was just like un, unparalleled at the time. They, yeah, going back and playing that game, you realize there are a lot of things that they did not so well, but they nailed the one thing sure. which was the most important, which was traversing New York City yep. with web swinging. They nailed that so well. They got it. <laughs> Cracked the code. Which is like, I, I feel like if you can get that good in a Spider-Man game, you've, you're like, I'm, I'm in, I'm, I'm there for whatever yeah. you got. And you know, I know it's a meme to be say especially for a superhero game it makes you feel like this superhero like yes that was a very hard thing to do for a long time in a lot of these games and he remembers yeah. superman 64 was bad that did not make was... me feel like superman that no. made me feel sad that just made me feel sad <laughs> i felt like a polygonal brick moving through the air <laughs> yeah like it was not it was not superman yeah but it was it was very really impressive what they were able to do with that second spider-man game i think that it makes you feel like this character is shorthand for what i like about spider-man is the like freedom and momentum and speed that you get in the air yeah and yeah they really did do that where i i I honestly i think a a spider-man game can live and die on the momentum and how quickly you move when you first hit your web onto a a building Uh and that first initial swing if you can get that, you're pretty close to a Spider-Man game. Yeah. If you can nail that and make it easy for the player to nail that with like a, maybe a little bit of a skill check, you're yeah. you're like 90% of the way there. <laughs> yeah. It's uh it's it's cool that they nailed it there and I I think that they learned that lesson and brought it here to this game. Mhm. I do have a review from Joe Video of Ultimate Spider-Man. Um Joe Video is an, an outlet in france and they reviewed this one in french Mm -hmm. and i uh, took their review ran it through google translate a number of times one language uh into another eventually arriving back out in english to mangle it all up real good uh, and get an artist's interpretation of what they had to say which is the following Mm -hmm. spider-man is undoubtedly a super guy conceptually the game stands out for its excellent development and very tiny code the graphics are amazing (laughs) Free and dynamic games, fresh graphics. Activism games are generally graphics, accurate and fun. They have to think. Two, boo. And then 14 out of 20 is what they gave that. Two, boo. The number two and then boo. I don't, I genuinely have no idea what that could have been. (laughs) Is that what Lubu named his his child? Two, boo? Two, boo. (laughs) Too boo, too furious was really the, the hardest warrior in all of Dynasty Warriors. <laughs> too boo, too furious. The boo and the and the furious. The boo, the two and the boo. The two and the boo. Yeah. Boo seven. That was great. That was a great review. Yeah, I, I felt like they brought it on that one. What do you think the original review was saying at the very end there? I have no clue. I've got no idea. I tried to untranslate it and it wouldn't work. Hmm. It, usually I feel like it, the numbers don't really play in. So maybe it was talking about Spider-Man 2, but I, I don't know. David, can you explain to me what this Spider-Man game is? 
Yeah, so Ultimate Spider-Man is a Spider-Man game that is based off of the Ultimate series of comics that was yeah. uh, started by Marvel to essentially reboot and modernize for a, a younger generation their most iconic characters and stories, right? So they did yeah. Spider-Man, they did X-Men, they did Fantastic Four, and they did the Ultimates, which is just the Avengers, but they call it the Ultimates because it's the Ultimate Universe. Sure. Um, and then this game is based off of that universe and though and those mm-hmm. comic books that were made back then mm-hmm. so in this game you take the role of peter parker uh who is spider-man in case you didn't know <laughs> gets bit by a genetically altered spider and in this game he is wrestling with venom and eddie mm-hmm. brock and in this one it's not a alien symbiote it is essentially like a let's cure cancer suit uh, that right. Peter's dad and Eddie's dad made together, but then got killed because of how powerful it was for one reason or another. And then Peter gets the suit and then Eddie gets the suit because right. Peter realizes the suit's bad. And Eddie's a uh, emo boy and loves to to use it, essentially. So the game follows yes. both of these characters. So you play as Sp- Spider-Man and Venom mm-hmm. in this game and just kind of how the after in, an initial fight that they have that is covered in the opening cinematic, right. how their paths kind of go in opposite directions and then reunite at the end yeah i know a lot about ultimate spider-man chase i was gonna say i kind of feel like i'm talking to an expert (laughs) i read them all what did you think about this one i thought you can definitely feel the dna of spider-man 2 in this game yes yeah with the web swinging and even just the combat because it only came out a year later after spider-man 2 released i didn't realize it was that quick it felt like ages uh between Mm -hmm. these games in my in my memory but very very quick these two games came out from each other yeah so i i mean i enjoyed this game but i do think it had a couple things kind of hamstringing it the number one thing being the camera it's tough the camera (laughs) was a little wet and wild in this game i don't know why i don't remember it being like this in spider-man 2 it might it might have been somewhere i feel like spider-man 2 had a very much more pulled out camera whereas this one's kind of mm-hmm. getting close so it could show off it's all closer. the beautiful yeah. cel-shaded graphics so i yeah. think that they didn't maybe calibrate it to allow for that closer more whiplashy feeling with the camera yeah. but i still do think that they kind of you do the the web swinging quite well in this game it yeah. still feels good you can still get like get momentum at the bottom of your mm-hmm. swing to get going faster and when you nail that oh it feels so good. it's it's amazing it feels so good it never stops being cool yeah the serotonin release that happens when you (laughs) nail that downward momentum swing of like if you were on playground swing is is so it's so satisfying the combat is decent enough it's kind of in the vein of one of the uh like rock steady batman arkham games where you're yeah fighting a bunch of different guys and you can kind of just mash buttons but just push in different directions and you get uh like more powerful attacks the the more different enemies you hit in a row you can like bounce off walls you can of course web people up you web people up on the ground with like knock them out because you're non-lethal spider-man you're a good guy (laughs) and you know there's all sorts of little city events you can go around and do which is which is great right you have Mm -hmm. the the races you have the little like fight tours essentially that you just like take you around the city and you just beat dudes up and then of course Mm -hmm. the randomly generated crime events that are just the hallmark of pretty much any spider-man game at this point it's in a lot of them It's just kind of become ubiquitous. I think from Spider-Man 2, it was just something that was so good at keeping people engaged with the game. Like I played Mm Spider-Man 2 way after I beat the game just because I was like, okay, let's just go fight crime. Yep. And you know, they, they do, they do it decently well. I wouldn't say that that like 
compared to a modern Spider-Man game that they are hidden on all cylinders. But for back in the day and just the graphics being what they are, just very engaging. I liked them, at least the, the very comic book look. It was good. I'm um, I'm with you. I I think like the it's hard to to compare it because like there is such a good Spider-Man series out right now. Yeah, like the, those those most recent ones are just like wow, that is a really good video game. Yeah, and especially because like the the one that's coming out is I think tackling kind of a similar arc, right? Like pretty it's much. dealing with with Venom and Miles and Peter. So yeah, it's all it's all in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I thought this was pretty fucking good. I I was glad that they kept the web slinging from spider-man 2 because mm-hmm. i was like coming into it and i feel like the last spider game spider-man game we played for the show was the one for ps1 and that one did not have amazing web slinging there was other stuff no. good about it but like the web slinging that was more like you are doing two swings across the chasm and that's it yes yeah, yeah. not super dramatic but i was i was happy to see that it's in this one because it, it still feels really good i i think when when i was playing this game the thing that was standing out to me the most and definitely the thing that i appreciated the most is like god the art style is so fucking cool in this video game it's really good i was crazy about it essentially when when you go into any cutscene, it is presented in like a almost animated like comic book panel style Mm -hmm. where you're giving you're you're getting different shots of the action sometimes the panels will show you like here is what eddie brock looks like from this angle and this angle and this angle and they're kind of panning through it Mm -hmm. in a really like dynamic way and other times the you'll get a close up of a character that's like breaking out of their panel and that always looks amazing. Mm-hmm. It, it just seems like it is so interested in how cool a comic can look. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> like not just not just the art style, not the way that it's colored or penned or anything like literally the comic book is is the thing that they're they're chasing after and I think that's just like such a cool design choice. Um, to, to bring to a video game like I would think that that would be such a hard thing to do well mm-hmm. throughout the entire game but like every shot that I was seeing is just like every one of these is so well composed yeah like it's not just Spider-Man just T-posing in the middle of the screen it's like a <laughs> very dramatic shot of whatever mm-hmm. is going on I know that like one of the I think it was one of the lead artists from Ultimate Spider-Man was like directing this game mm-hmm. so the, the, there's definitely a connection to the medium which that's cool I, I it's it's really great i think that that's like such a good decision and like has a lot of integrity as far as like here are the people who made this kind of source material also making something else which i I, I just think that's like such a cool decision yeah and i feel like a lot of games will do the cell shaded look but not a lot of them will really lean into really giving it that comic book feel in the cutscenes, like this one does as well right it's just like straight out cutscenes, like for any video game whereas this one's really like you said really leaning into that comic book aesthetic and i think that's very laudatory yeah no i i, I thought it was cool you, you saw it a little bit in that game 13 i think we played it for the show a while we did ago, right yeah um it had kind of a similar effect where mm-hmm. the action was happening over the course of a couple different panels but like 13 was cool and i really liked it but i i feel like the direction of how the characters are moving and how the shot is framed in any of these is just like so incredible and like clearly somebody knew what they were doing when they were building those mm-hmm. so it was just cool as hell i also love playing as venom venom was sick <laughs> venom was sick he it's it's amazing that they give you like hey you're peter parker in this part and we're not going to kill anybody because mm-hmm. peter parker's a good guy and in venom they're like you can fucking cut someone's spine in half dude D- then it has makes it sound like a little <laughs> toothpick breaking yes oh it's brutal it's just, just like and it's telling you all these command grabs you can do it's like do yes. this one to throw them do this one to like put their face in the ground and do this one to do a backbreaker you're like yes. excuse me 
It's just like, oh my God. Killian had wrote in about what uh, they liked about the game and said, uh, uh, love the comic book style cutscenes and getting to literally eat people as Venom for health blew yep. my six-year-old mind. Yep. It blew my my 32-year-old mind. I know, right? You're very I was like, damn. Pacifistic. Dudes? Yeah, pacifistic with Peter Parker, webbing, webbing unconscious thugs on the ground. And then Venom's like, yeah. all right, I'm losing health consistently. I need to eat. <laughs> and the first person you eat is a little kid. The balloon kid. Oh my God. From Spider-Man yeah. 2. I lost yeah. I lost it when I was like, when I heard the, oh, my balloon. And then I was like, oh, oh they're yeah. really going to make me eat the balloon kid from Spider-Man 2, <laughs> the game. It was wild. Anyone who's played that game remembers the balloon kid. You, you, do you remember yeah. the balloon kid? I, I do. Yeah. yeah. I didn't put it together that that's what was going on in this game, though. I, I That was probably the funniest thing in, the, in yeah. this game for me. <laughs> It's yeah, like, I'm well, this is a very cathartic moment that they were trying to give players after the balloon kid in Spider-Man 2. Yeah, it's it's wild. I, uh, I I loved when you, as Venom, you like pull someone in to take their health. Mm-hmm. The way that they visualize that is this like little icon that pops up to represent the person who you've just eaten. And it's like they go from green to yellow to like a skull and crossbones. <laughs> like you have murdered this right. person now. If it wasn't clear, they are dead. <laughs> You're, yeah, you killed him. Uh-huh. Really good. Like, I, I like that this game is, it, it's definitely intended for a younger audience, but mm-hmm. like, you still get to feel how fucking scary Venom is and mm-hmm. how much he does not give a shit about the well-being about a lot of people. He feels strong. He, yes. The, yeah. Controlling Venom reminded me of controlling the Hulk in Hulk Ultimate yeah. Destruction, yeah. if you played that one. Uh, we we did a show about it. Oh, we did do a show about it. I forgot <laughs> that we did that. But just how you leap just instantly just yeah blocks with with no effort whatsoever and just how you were lumbering and you leave like these big footprints when you go up the side of a building right mm-hmm. it just feels good just feels good to be a big big lumbering bastard i love yeah the the jump is the thing that i i was also reminded of the hulk thing because you get really high up in the air you sure do when you uh jump up in there and like whenever you land there's the gigantic like mm-hmm. whenever you hit the ground which just it's great weighty i'm i'm hoping that the new spider-mans can kind of capture that feeling if you end up as playing as like full-blown venom not just like venom spidey suit spider-man yeah it's gonna be interesting to see how they do that one because they definitely have created their own little spider-man universe with this with that game with the new ones yeah yeah i'm interested it's Mm -hmm. uh those games are really good constantly impressed whenever i think about just how like good of a spider-man game those games are they are a lot of fun and they're Mm -hmm. uh, like as far as spider-man fan service goes i don't think you can get much better than those games with all the suits you know it's just you can be any Spider-Man or the Sun. I, I, it definitely feels like they have taken the comic books into heart. And I, I think this one does too, to be honest. Like just the attachment to like the actual lore that was going on in the comic books, I think is really like cool mm-hmm. that they took to time took the time to actually like figure out okay, how do we fit this into the existing like story that's happening, and how do we retell things that have already been told in in the comics. It's cool. And like I said, I I think part of that is that they had people who were working on the comics were also working on the game. So there was that like cross pollination, but it's cool that they were able to kind of like expand that out in a way that felt meaningful Mm -hmm. and not just like, here's a recreation of what happened as much as I like Spider-Man too. Like it's very much, you know, you liked the movie now come play the game. Yeah. With extra villains. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Speaking of which, God, I love whenever another Marvel person showed up in this game. Oh, that fight with Wolverine was so good. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Really, really good. You tried to eat him and he just claws his way out of you and does way more damage than you would have healed. (laughs) Yes. Amazing. Um, Wolverine was really great. Uh, Again, pretty much anytime anybody shows up, I'm stoked. Yeah. Like I, at the time, I think I had had like 
I wouldn't say minimal exposure to Marvel, but it's not nearly as much as that has happened since. Sure. You know, obviously I've watched all the movies and shit, uh, read more comics. I'm like more familiar with the mediums. Uh, also played a lot of Marvel snaps. So like <laughs> whenever any of those characters shows show up, I'm like, oh, hell yeah. I know Shocker. I know Electro. <laughs> but yeah, Electro, Shocker, Wolverine, Silver Sable, Human Torch, yeah. Carnage. Yeah, Carnage is always an incredible inclusion. Oh, Carnage is really fucked up in the Ultimate Universe. Also, the Ultimate Universe is just fucked up in general. Like really? people die terrible, gruesome deaths in mm. this in this universe of characters. It's pretty it's pretty it's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's shocking. Yeah. As a child, I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean Beast has been impaled? <laughs> Excuse me? I think it's cool when like series that are clearly like, this is definitely for like people who are under 18 are not afraid to kind of like tackle stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think that that's pretty neat because yeah, I feel like you can do it without being horribly gruesome. You know, sure. I think about like the the Animorph series and shit, like how wild some of the stuff was in there. How uh, things like the Warrior Cats series shouts out positive ones. <laughs> Warrior Cats. Um, how how intense like the 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 story beats in there are because I feel like it's a I don't know it's it, it's an it's an exposure to things that may, might be a little bit more mature for mm-hmm. like kids, but I don't think kids are necessarily like unable to grapple with that stuff, especially when it's like these are clearly fictional characters, so it's not like there's actually like damage, super big damage being done. Yeah, yeah. End of thought. <laughs> I agree, but mm-hmm. with the comics, with it being a visual art form too. Sure. Yeah. Some of those deaths were quite graphic. <laughs> Gruesome. Yeah. I remember one. It was, I forget what it was, if it was like the Ultimates or Ultimate X-Men or one of them, but mm-hmm. essentially Blob eats the wasp. And okay. you see a picture of the Blob just eating. I'm looking at that comic panel. Pretty fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. It's Janet Van Dyne. It, right? It's it's disturbing. <laughs> it's quite gruesome. It's, that it's is a, very a pretty gruesome. brutal comic book panel. Yeah. yeah. So I agree what you say about dealing with death but in a in a tasteful way would be good. Yes, and I feel yeah. like in the ultimate comic book series, it was all over the place between being tasteful and kind of well done, like it was with, I think, Spider-Man. And then yeah. the Wasp just being cannibalized on, yeah, on a full page ev- spread. <laughs> Eviscerated by the blob. Yes. You win some, you lose some. <laughs> <laughs> and then you absolutely lose some. You rolled a natural zero. Your D20 evaporated. <laughs> <laughs> right? I had only known her from... The Spider-Man comic books. She's always just like fun character, and then oh, eaten alive. That's a little much. Anyways, that is very much an aside from what we're talking about. I I don't feel like I had too much else to say about this game. Like I, I think that any any good thing that you can say about a Spider-Man game, most of that you can say for this one too. I I, I think that the stuff that has aged well about this game, at least for me, is just the art style of it all. I I had booted it up on my Steam Deck initially, um, but I was like, hey, I bet this would look really good if it was like upscaled a little bit. Sure enough. Yeah, it looks amazing if you're able to um, do some like upscaling on your computer. It looked like a totally modern game. Nice. I I think like if you have the opportunity or like even if you just like look at a YouTube video, like it's worth it. It looks really, really incredible. I think that that art style translates similar to what we were just saying with the GBA. Like you can put that on a big screen. It looks like, wow, that is incredible. It still looks really, really good. Absolutely. Yeah. No, this is a game. This is an art style that ages very well. Yeah. Cool. Do you have anything else to say about Ultimate Spider-Man, Dave? It's a fun game. It's always fun to just swing swing around New York as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man slash Venom. Yeah. It's a fun time. And then this one is, you know, a little bit more mature than Spider-Man 2 because it lets you be Venom, right? Sure. Which is fun. 
It's it's and it's not too gruesome. It's not too terrible. It's it's just all in the name of having a good time. T for teen, y'all. T for teen. Teens can play it. T for tasty. T for tasteful. T for tasteful. <laughs> <laughs> So if you want to interact with the podcast anymore, you can go to our website, podtimism.com. You can suggest mm-hmm. games for us to do. You can suggest pretty much anything for us to do on there. It doesn't have to be a game. It could be anything. Yeah. Uh, you can look at a backlog of all of our episodes and the beautiful podcast art that Chase does for each one. That's right. Uh, you can also find links to all of our social media accounts on there. We're not too active, but we will find things eventually whenever <laughs> whenever we log on, if Twitter is is not a hellscape anymore. Are we have, do we have a threads? Do we have a threads yet? Uh, we don't have a threads, nor a blue sky. If somebody feels really strongly about us being on there, let me know. But, uh, you know, it's it's all good. I still get the Twitter notifications if somebody did. Somebody tagged us uh, in the Tomba uh, remaster notification <laughs> the other day. So still getting those. That was a little shocking. That was a little, was a little shocking. I know. Yeah. The timing of it was bananas. <laughs> I couldn't believe that. That's happened a couple times. It's weird. The, the earth yeah. just begins to hum. And then we realize we're all <laughs> a part of the simulation. Anyways, if you want to help out the podcast, you can leave a review mm-hmm. on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It really helps us out. We love to read them. It's a good time for us, as well as hopefully you when you write it and mm-hmm. say all the things you do or do not like about us and the podcast. Sure. Yeah. Thank you, Scout Wilkinson. This is the Mandatory Scout Out of the Week. The podcast yes. art is amazing. We love it. It's really good. It's really good. Yeah. Also, Scout Out of the Week, go check out her podcast, Paws and Claws, Paws and Claws. about Warrior yeah. Cats. It's a good time. It's a good time it's an evergreen recommendation it's very fun evergreen and also if you want to get scout to do any commissions for you you can visit her coffee page at ko-fi.com slash humble goat and see if she is available for any pieces of art yeah pieces of wonder uh, that she creates she got one commission slot open maybe it's for you maybe it's for me <laughs> you never know say chase might sneak in there <laughs> real quick you never know what he needs to have drawn i will threaten to take this last commission slot if, if somebody doesn't get it i i will snag it i did last time what these are not power empty rankings the things you want drawn right now chase uh, maybe just more truck thulu i could get truck thulu too lou <laughs> just another one first do trucky then truck thulu <laughs> yeah, his first form, his first Pokemon evolution. <laughs> truck, Trucky, Truck Thulu. I'm into it, man. That makes sense. Makes sense to me. And lastly, thank you, listener, for yeah. spending your time with us. Uh, we really appreciate it. We would do this if nobody listened. So it's pretty cool that some people do and enjoy yeah. it and interact with us. It's great. So yeah, uh, very much huge amounts of appreciation for y'all. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's great. I love uh, hearing people's throwbacks and uh, appreciated older games. It's it's very cool. I love that, that part of the conversation. So appreciate y'all. Chase, do you have any video game wisdom for the week? I would say probably don't build a, a city under the sea. Mm. I think it's going to pre- go pretty bad. Like even <laughs> if it's sick down there, like if it's really cool, like you're still very under the ocean, mm. you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you think Rapture led to Atlantis from Kingdom Hearts? Yeah, that's, that seems pretty pretty stra- straight line to me. Makes sense, right? Andrew Ryan definitely rebranded himself when he became Poseidon's <laughs> gonna say sebastian is frank fontaine <laughs> does that make jack guppy in this case flounder, flounder? Sorry. guppy <laughs> i was like who's guppy i guess who the fuck is guppy i guess yeah he's kind of uh brainless right yeah but just kind of vibing he, he gets shit done though yeah does what he's told 
he he probably he would be jack jack is definitely flounder in this situation <laughs> that's a that's the gritty reboot i don't think anybody actually needs ursula's the lady scientist who finds the the slugs tannenbaum tannenbaum yeah. Remember all these names. I don't know where Ariel fits in this whole thing, to be honest. Well, they're not harvesting Adam anymore, so she would just be a grown-up little sister, right? Oh, sure. She's yeah, she's and all the of her one and all of her other sisters. Sister. <gasps> oh yeah. Whoa, Damn. it works too good. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's what Ken Levine did. He watched The Little Mermaid and was like, I can go backwards from this. I've got an idea. <laughs> coming coming this summer, The Little Mermaid 2, Rapture. <laughs> Big Daddy's here. (laughs) All right, see you next week, gamers. All right, see ya. Bye.